Hey everyone, welcome back after a week off to Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg. With me together again today is John. How you doing, John? Uh, I'm good. You're doing and good ex- except for your garage door. Your garage door is not doing good. Yeah, I broke my garage, but whatever. <laughs> we, so, so funny story really quickly. So we already did this conversation, and there was a mic issue, and we had some pop, popping and crackling, which we thought would be okay, and it wasn't. So we have to re-record the intro, and John was like, oh, we'll just skip all the garage door talk. And I was like, okay, we could skip it, but I still wanted to throw it out there. So John broke his garage door, so, you know. <laughs> um, but we are going to get into it because uh, it might be a little shorter episode today because I'm just wiped out from work. And we only have one news story to talk about. And then John and I, we really liked what we did a couple weeks ago with our rare PS2 game discussion. And so we wanted to do something kind of, I want to do something kind of collector and video game related that way almost every week. If, if, if we're out of stories or we only have one story, I'd like to do one story and one cool collector thing. And so this week, what we're going to do is we each picked out five of our rarest and coolest and oddest things in our collections. And we're going to talk about those, which I think is really neat. I think, I think it'll be really fun. Hopefully you'll learn about things you didn't even know existed. Uh, I folk, I mixed it up a little bit. I picked some things that were rare and expensive. I picked some things that were well known and expensive. And I picked a couple things that I think John may not even know exist. So I think it'd be pretty cool. And John, I think is focusing on stuff that I've never seen or even heard of so that he can kind of surprise me with that. So I think that'll be really fun. Um, and mine are kind of five-ish. Yeah, <laughs> five-ish. What does that? What does that even mean? We'll find out. Okay. Actually, it was funny when I looked. I had an item that was going to be two items in one because they were related, and I didn't want to use two of them as like two of my five. But then I was like, I'll put that away because then I found something else to talk about. So. Oh, I I have one one topic is going to be five things. Another is going to be technically 40-ish things. Oh, yep. Now, I know what you're talking about there, and I do. I know what that is, and I'm jealous of that because I should have bought it a long time ago, and now I'm, now I'm really regretting it. Uh, I think you're, you're thinking of something else. All right. I, well, I'm excited either way. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, and then, before we, and then the, the story we're going to talk about today is that for the 60th anniversary, Sega, Sega's 60th anniversary – they they were teasing a huge announcement and one announcement that was something like and I'm not quoting verbatim here but something along the lines of will shake the video game industry to its core like that was that was that was a sort of language they were using that's how big of a surprise so we're going to talk about that because it's been revealed what it is so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the uh what John and I were anticipating what we were thinking might happen and how and what actually happened so we're going to talk about that but yeah before- so yeah, I wanted I wanted to get together on like Sunday and record like a speculation like yes. podcast. Yes, uh, where everything I would have said would have been so unbelievably wrong. It's not even. Funny. Yeah, so I think it's working out really well that we were not able to uh, hook up on that. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, so, so before we get to the story, though. Uh, I normally don't do this because I don't normally tell customer stories on here unless they're very vague because I don't ever want to get back to a customer. I think one, it's unprofessional, but two, I also don't want that blowback. Um, but this one I have to talk about a little bit because it's frustrating to me. And I think everyone out there who knows me, who's been in the store and listens to the podcast will get what I'm saying. And people maybe who don't know me personally, but just know that I own a game store. Maybe they don't realize some of the stuff you deal with 
Um, so I want to tell this customer story. Now we we've been open since Monday because of, uh, um, because of the COVID-19 situation, we were closed for six weeks in April, end of March and April. We opened up for curbside pickup in May. And then we just opened our store on Monday for customers to shop in again. And technically we opened over the weekend. We did like a soft open. So Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, people could shop, but it wasn't advertised that we were open. So it was kind of a warm up. call it a soft open. And then Monday was our first day open. So yesterday, okay, so this is Tuesday. Now, one of the requirements I should say before I get started, one of our requirements to shop in our store right now is you have to wear a mask. Uh, I don't think that's that much of an ask, especially since we've decided that we, I personally bought a bunch of disposable masks and anybody who doesn't have a mask gets one for free, which, so I don't charge for a mask. Um, John, you mentioned earlier that Menards, if you go to Menards, they charge you a dollar to have a mask. Yeah, you don't have your own mask. So you have to wear a mask in there and they make you buy one from them for a profit because I pay about 70 cents a mask and I'm getting hosed on that deal. So Menards <laughs> is getting these things for probably a quarter a piece and they're actually making money requiring people to wear masks. I don't do that. Well, I said, hey, we have a restrict we have a strict requirement. I will meet you halfway. If you if you wear a mask, I will meet you halfway and I will give you that mask if you don't have one. Menards also has a security guard at their front door stopping you from coming in if you don't have a mask on yes and they and they're rude about it like they're just like and and not that his job is to be a nice person it's to stop people from coming in so if you go in without a mask he'll be like if you don't have a mask you have to leave or you can buy one at the service desk and if people bitch about it then they leave and that's it they're told to leave that's it there's just boom no question so that's setting up my part of the story so this is the first customer i had that had an issue with the mask situation so over the weekend and monday and tuesday i probably dealt with a couple hundred customers and nobody had a problem with it. Nobody had a problem. Yesterday, a customer comes in, a young man, maybe mid-20s, and he comes in, and this is how we approach people who don't have a mask on. Like, if we say, hey, did you bring your mask with you? If we see that you don't have a mask, like, we're not stupid. We're just, that's how we're engaging the customer. So we say, hey, did you have your ma- uh, did you bring your mask with you? And they're like, uh, no, I don't have a mask. Like, oh, that's okay. Here, we'll give you one for free. And then we go and we hand them one with like a tweezers and like the box of masks and we give them one. <laughs> right? So we're not, I mean, we're not touching it. We're not, this it's just, it's, it's all in the up and up. So that's what we do. And so this customer takes the mask and then looks at the, I think originally one of my employees gave him the mask and I was by the back table, but that employee was helping a customer. So he started to go back to help the other customer. And, and then the first customer who we just gave the mask to said, Oh, where are your GameCube games? And so I took over and I said, Oh, they're over here. Follow me. And I showed them around the wall where the, we built a wall a few months ago and it's around the backside of that. And I said, okay, here's the GameCube games. And then, uh, you know, and, and I, I could tell already he, he didn't put the mask on. And so I knew I was going to have to ask him to. So I kind of broke the ice a little bit. And I said, I said, uh, Oh, Hey, well, is there anything special you were looking for? Or, and he's like, no, I'm just looking I'm like, okay, cool. Well, if you think of anything, just give us a holler. No big deal. I, I I broke the ice, made sure that he knew I was welcoming and nice and not a jerk. So then I go back to the table and I wait about 30 seconds and he's just kind of looking at the wall with the mask in his hand. He's literally holding on to it. And so I, I, I said, oh, hey, I'm sorry. W- would you mind just putting the mask on, please? And then, you know, he just kind of looks at me. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll put it on. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. And then I go back to the table. Like 30 seconds or a minute go by and he's standing there with kind of his like his one hand on his chin and his other hand propping up his arm. And the mask is still in his hand that's propping up his arm that's holding his, you know, face. And I'm like, 
you know, and so I said, I said, I'm sorry, I hate to be a pest, but could you please put the mask on? And he just looks at me and goes, I'm, I'm sorry, it's very hot. Could I just have a minute? Could I have a minute, please? It's just very warm. It's And it, it was, it was like 90 yesterday. But he's like, in my store, is like 60. I put the AC on blast. Yeah, he's, your, your yeah. store is nice and chill. My store is mega chilly. I pay lots of good money to have very cold temperatures. And he's like, can I just have a minute? It's very warm and the, the mask. And, and I, I was honestly taken aback by that. I wasn't expecting that. So I said, oh, um, and I actually hesitate a little, which I normally don't do. And I was like, uh, yeah, totally fine. Take a minute, no problem. And so then I waited. I don't even know if I waited a minute. If I had to guess, it was probably closer to 30 seconds to a minute, somewhere in there. And he still didn't put it on. And it's still in his hand. And he started, like, touching GameCube games. Like, he was pulling one off, looking at it, putting it back on the shelf. And I just looked at him. I said, I said, I'm sorry. I really need you to put the mask on. And I said it in a more exacerbated way. Like, I was emphasizing urgency. And I just said, hey, I really need you to put the mask on, okay? And he looks at me and goes, I'll, I'll make sure I have the mask on by the time I get to the counter. And that's what he said. And I was like, and I just said, no, I'm sorry. I need you to put the mask on now. And as soon as I started saying that, he just instantly like put the game back on the shelf, turned his back to me and walked out the door. Now, if you, if you've never been in my store, there's kind of like a wall in the middle of the store. So when he, when he walked, he put his back to me and walked out. Then he had to turn a corner to the left and then he took a, a, a sharp right. And that's where the back door was. So I couldn't see him actually leave the store. I only saw him turn and, I, and as he's leaving, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I was, I felt terrible. I, I feel terrible all the time for stuff. It's not my fault. I felt terrible. And so then I go back up to the register and from the register, I can see the back door. So I get to the register just to kind of be like, you know, wrap my head around everything. And I look at the back door and he left the mask that we gave him for free hanging on the handle of the door. And I don't know why, but that really pissed me off. Like it really <laughs> pissed me off. And so I like, like I actually kind of jogged to the back door and I, I, I like grabbed the mask off the handle. I opened the door and his car was parked right, you know, right outside the door. And I held the mask up and I was like, Hey, what the hell, man? And I kind of shook it in my hand. And then he just kind of like, and he kind of did this thing with his hands and then he like drove away. (laughs) And I was like, I I can't believe that. It's so rude, you know? And, and like now I'm the asshole, you know, like to that guy, I'm some super mega jerk who tried to make him put a mask on. And all I could think to myself is it's such an easy ask, you know, like we're asking you to put a mask on. Okay. And, and I've even said, if people have health problems, I will, I will open the store a half hour early or close it a half hour late and give you a private shopping experience where you don't have to wear a mask. I will do that for anyone who has a medical issue and cannot wear a mask in the store. Not because it's too hot. I'm sorry. Too hot is not a medical condition. And like, I'm telling the story and I sound like an asshole, you know, I, I, now I just can't, I can't get over it. I can't get over how unaware this person was and like how, how selfish and rude it was. It made me so mad. And oftentimes, and you know, this oftentimes, even though it's my own business, I think I take more now than I did when I was manager at GameStop because now every dollar I lose because I lose a customer is my dollar. Like you know, if I lost a dollar, if I lost a GameStop dollar, I didn't like that either. But if I lost a GameStop dollar, it was a GameStop dollar. Now, I think I actually, I think I actually am more, I, I don't f- like freak out on customers and kick them out and stuff because that's not good for business. And I never do that. And I take it almost more personal now. I go so far out of my way for customer service all the time. And then you get somebody like this who doesn't, doesn't have the decency to follow your rules and then disrespects you by hanging the mask on the back door and i just i just lost it 
I, I was pissed. I, I and I'm still pissed about it. If you can't tell from the story, I'm just so pissed about it. Oh, well, I don't think crazy. you're a jerk for that. <laughs> and honestly, I think you probably just need to get more stern about it. To just just immediately, as soon as somebody walks in, just say, "Hey, we are requiring masks. We're going to give you one for free, but you have to put it on right now." Well, and, and you know. Yes, you have to you have to put your foot down. And that's something I was telling Dave and Dom and the guys was if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So we have a policy. That's it. No ifs, ands or buts. And sometimes people come in like they don't know any better. So they walk in and they'll, 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 they'll open the door and say, you know, we'll say, hey, did you have your mask with you? Oh, no, I don't. Uh, and we're like, oh, we can give you one. And then they like walk halfway into the store to like meet us to get the mask. And you're like, oh, OK, but, you know, you got to you got to work with them a little bit. But, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, it's just one of those things where everyone's been cool so far. Everyone's understanding, but this one person just, just for whatever reason. And it wasn't like, if he had said, I don't want to wear a mask. I'd been like, okay, I totally respect that. And I, I respect your decision to not want to wear a mask. If you want, I can, you can take a picture of the GameCube games, go hang out in your car. And then I'll bring the credit card machine out to you. We can do curbside pickup. But if you want to be in the store shopping, you have to wear a mask. And I'm okay with that. And I'm, I, I don't just, I, I don't care if somebody doesn't want to wear a mask. So they don't want to come to the store. I respect that. That's their choice. Try to be a responsible business owner and also respect that person's freedom to choose not to do that. But I have the freedom as a business owner to say, hey, I want to keep my staff, myself, my family, my customers safe. And I just, it, it seems like basic stuff to me. Like it's, it was such a selfish thing I felt from that person. And so it's been bugging me. All, all that I slept for shit last night and, and I, I hate this feeling. And then I start hating myself because I think, why did I go outside? Like, like I could have just taken the thing off the door, walked inside and laughed about it. And then I wouldn't have felt as bad, but no, I had to go outside and say, what the hell man? And like make a scene, you know? And so I'm almost more embarrassed that I made a scene because anyone who knows me knows I'm super chill with customers and I can handle like anything like 99.9% of any situation, I can be the cool head. I can be the calm one and I come out on top. And then when I lose my cool, I, it pisses me off and, and I get jittery, you know, and like my hands shaking and I just, I get pissed off like that. I, I lost it, I guess, you know, and like lost control of my own emotions, you know? So, but you know, so anyway, that that was my amazing, annoying customer story of the week and dave dave gave me permission john dave said i can piss off one customer per day <laughs> so, okay. and so well, so i didn't make the quota today so we're, we're we're good we pissed off someone yesterday but we're good today so if if we can ever talk about the one customer i ever banned from gamestop on here let me know <laughs> uh, I, well i would i'm pretty sure that person doesn't listen because he wouldn't then come into my store and talk about you thinking that right. i don't know you but maybe someday if like it'll be heavily redacted like we'll just have like beeps every five seconds maybe we can get that story off but um but yeah no there there's and there are so many like there's so many stories i want to tell but I, I i try to be a little professional when it comes to that and, and not like dish you know and this one really pissed me off though like there's so many people that are oblivious to what's going on in the world right now. And I'm not saying that like, if you don't wear masks when you're out, like walking your dog, there's a problem. Like I'm just saying they're oblivious to my, the respect that I'm asking for in my store. That's all it really is. I mean, it's not, you know, if, if you go to a restaurant and you want to eat out and everything and you're not wearing masks, it's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying I have a set of rules. And if you want to exist in my universe, 
in my game store, you have to follow these rules and how oblivious that person was. And I, I don't even get the, the too hot thing. Like that really made me mad. He came out of his car. It's not like he ran a marathon and was like, came in and was pouring sweat and was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I, don't make me I put a mask on. I get too hot thing if, if he was outside wearing a mask all day. Uh, yeah. If he was delivering, delivering mail, mail, walking, wearing a mask all day. Exactly. Yeah. Cause, cause it definitely like wearing a mask outside in 90 degree heat does not feel super great, but I doubt he was doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I no got out of his vehicle, walked right into the store. So that, that, that 91 degree weather hit him for a total of four seconds while he walked through the parking lot. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and as somebody who spent all day yesterday outside in that heat and also a, a majority of today out in the heat painting, like your store would be a blast of cool air that feels fantastic. Well, and there was even a part of me that thought, you know, if I noticed anything and I'm not a doctor, but if I noticed anything like he was having trouble breathing or if he was like, you know, just looked out of it, I would have said, I'll let you sit down in the chair. Let me, I'll give you a chair at the front door. You can sit at the front door until you catch your breath. Then you can put a mask on. Like I am, I am willing to bend. I'm told I'm the ultimate, like, you know, bend over backwards person to help somebody out or to, for a customer. And like when they don't, I mean, that was just, it was just a BS excuse. It's whatever. I don't yeah. care. Well, and masks shouldn't be a political thing and they've been made into one and it's stupid. It's so it's, stupid. There's a, there's a virus going around. People are getting sick. It's a preventative measure. You're trying yeah. to keep your customers and your family safe. That's period. all it is. And that's all it is. And it's, and, it, and it's not like, I, and I'm not a doom, a doomsayer. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, if we don't wear masks, we're all going to die. Like that's not me either, but yeah, I mean, even if it gives me violent diarrhea for a couple days, like, yeah, I'm going to pass on that, dude. I'm going to wear masks <laughs> so I don't get yeah. deathly sick for a week or two. It sucked. Okay, that seems fine to me. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to move into the stories. So we got first we're going to talk about the Game Gear uh, or excuse me, the Sega reveal. I almost spoiled it, John. Uh, oh, the, God. the big Sega reveal uh, for their 60th anniversary. And then we're going to talk about our five rarest things. Or five rare and fun things. I think how we're going to do that, John, is I'm going to let you do your five, and then I'm going to do my five in no particular order, and then okay. we'll and then we'll move on to our games of the week and pick up piles and all that fun stuff. So, um, so yeah, stick around, everybody. It's going to be fun, John. I'm going to queue us up, and we're going to go. All right. So first up on the podcast, hey John, like I had mentioned earlier, we're talking big Sega news i'm talking monster sega news john it is the 60th anniversary of sega okay this is a big deal uh it's been touted that sega was gonna have an announcement that was gonna shake the foundations of the video game industry incredible announcements unbelievable things and that is drum roll please it is (laughs) the game gear mini (laughs) (laughs) but not one john not two not three four different game gear minis in different colors and with different games now all joking aside they're they're actually the actual big announcement was the fog gaming which is i think a play on the idea of cloud gaming Sega is yes. it, it, yeah. Sega's coming up with this idea of fog gaming, which I want to mention a few things here, which is kind of cool. And then we're going to go back to the Game Gear Mini thing because that is ridiculous. But first, I want to talk about this. I actually think this is kind of cool. 
the idea is that there's going to be some sort of cloud service where arcade machines that are in businesses in Japan are going to be the CPUs and GPUs are going to take the workload for a streaming service in Japan. And so some like, and, and that if as servers are used and GPUs and CPUs and arcade machines that are in businesses are used, those businesses can make money off those machines. Now, something like this will never come to the United States unless it came to like a very small area in like a huge metro market like New York, maybe Chicago, but like an LA, New York type like that. But, yeah, there just aren't enough arcade machines to do it. Exactly. One, arcades weren't big here anyway. Um, well, they haven't been lately. And two, it's a much bigger area and our internet infrastructure sucks. So it's just inconsistent. As to where Japan, a little bit better, much smaller area. So it's a cool idea, and and we don't know much more about it, and I'd love to know more. Uh, so I'm very curious about this. Fog Gaming, Sega doing something cool, cloud game related, sign me up. I think it's really neat. However, this got completely thrown aside by the huge announcement, <laughs> no pun intended, of the Game Gear Mini. <laughs> now, the Game Gear Mini... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this thing is less than worthless. <laughs> I, it has a one-inch screen. Okay. A one-inch screen. It's smaller than the Game Boy Advance Micro. Okay. And it still runs on six AA batteries. <laughs> that die in one hour. No, but it does run, <laughs> I think, on double A's. And you does can, it really? I, 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 what did it say here? I saw something about it. Uh, let me see here. Oh, this article. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it, uh, four different consoles, four games each. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a ridiculous concept. Yeah. Yeah. I know that here's the colors of the games. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I don't remember. I read it somewhere. I guess it's not in this article, but it was, I, I thought it said it was either double a batteries or has like a charger, like where you could plug it I in. W- I would hope it has a damn charger. <laughs> I mean, and then, so this is, this is what's getting me hung up, right? So there's four, four versions, four colors. Now, again, this is only for Japan. I, I could see one of these coming to the States. I could see the black one coming to the States, or they might do a special dark blue one like we had here. Uh, as of right now, my understanding, right, it's, it's about 45 50 bucks coming out in October. Each machine has only four games. And the games that are on each of the four devices is different. So if Very you different. if you wanted to play every game, you'd have to buy all four systems, and for about two hundred dollars, for, for r- roughly two hundred dollars, so a total of sixteen games. It's and and like so they even did some weird like now, now there are some cool ones here like like the red one for instance has Revelations Demon Slayer, uh, Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible. Uh, Game Gear Shinobi, and then for some reason Columns, but it's got two Shin Megami games, essentially, two Atlas, like, technically the second one's a, a, a Megami, and the first one's Revelations, but in, I, I mean, in the US, Revelations what they called the Shin Megami series, so I assume, you know, whatever, uh, that they're from the same family. That's really cool. Now, are we gonna get those games translated on our version if we get one? No. You know, and then the black one comes with Sonic, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. I don't know what Royal Stone is, but that seems like a fine four-pack. But it's only four games. It doesn't make any sense. The yellow one, Shining Force Gaiden, uh, Shining Force Sword of Hyja, 
Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict. Uh, yes. So there's like basically it's all Shining Force. The yellow one's all Shining Force ones, which is, I guess, kind of cool. The blue one has Sonic or Tails on, doesn't it? Yes. So it has Sonic Chaos, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, and Baku Baku Animal. So they broke up Sonic Chaos and Sonic the Hedgehog onto different machines. Uh, and why the hell is Sonic Drift the the racing game not on any of these? Nothing about this makes any sense. Like th- this is definitely the Sega that tanked itself in the late '90s, early 2000s. Like th- this sort of stuff. I mean, to be fair, I could see Game Gear enthusiasts thinking this is really cool. And I do like mini consoles. If they made one Game Gear Micro and it had like a hundred Game Gear games on it, I'd probably talk less trash about it. I still wouldn't buy one because I'm not going to play a handheld that's literally got a one-inch screen. Like, I'm talking it's like this big. It's crazy. Yeah, if, it, if there was a three-inch screen and, and like, all in 16 games on awesome. Yeah. But I, a one-inch screen I, is I just, insane. I don't see it. I don't see how, I don't. I don't get it at all it makes no sense and and again the novelty is cool i i like but this feels like somehow right sony is like hey we're gonna make the worst mini console of all time with the playstation classic and sega goes hey sony hold Hold my my beer beer. (laughs) (laughs) hold my beer and they like this feels so bad now someone made a point on twitter yesterday and unless all the articles are getting it wrong, he was wrong. But he said the boxes say something like plus four and the plus four is the four games that it has on it. He was making it seem like there might be a base set of games and then each system has four unique games to it. Hmm. Now, while that's still annoying to have to buy four to get all the games, that would make more sense, right? Like if it had 20 games and then each one had an extra four, but Every article I'm reading now, if they all got the same info, though, all the articles are going to be clones of each other anyway. But it seems to me that it's only four games per system. And I don't how do you even come up with that? How do you how does Sega come up with four games? And that 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 was their limit four? Oh man. I I, I can't get over the, the like I said, I, I feel like this is less than worthless. And I say well, that as a most, Sega fan. I mean you're a Sega fan, I'm a those Sega games. fan are owned by Sega too. Like I think all of them are their own properties. I so would, I would assume it's not to, like they have to pay anyone. Yeah, I would assume to dodge they didn't want to get into any extra negotiations with this thing. I'm pretty sure yeah. they just said, "Hey, <laughs> whatever we have access to in our library, we're putting those on there. We're not we're not stretching this thing at all. <laughs> we're not paying any extra money to make this thing." You said one of them was Gunstar Heroes? Gunstar Heroes is on one of them, yes. That might be the only one they don't own. If I'm thinking about it, that was Sega published, I think? Yeah, but I know know Treasure made it. Right. So Um, that's the only one where it's like they may not own it. But otherwise, all of the other ones, like Atlas is owned by Sega now, so... Right, so any of the Shin Megami stuff, like all that falls under there. Yeah. So yeah, so now what we'll do though on the on the fun flip side of this is we'll talk a little bit about our predictions. Now, <laughs> we we like you mentioned earlier, we talked about on Sunday getting together to do a predictions video just to see what this earth-shattering monumental announcement was going to be. Now, you uh you no offense, were off the rails. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were you were like you were like this this is and 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 I bless your heart man you were like thinking so big and and I was just like what did I say I think I said something like it's going to be like a remake of Sonic Adventure or something like I like to me that was going to be like their big announcement was something that nobody like that would be that big it would be big to Sega fans and Sonic fans but it it wasn't like when you think of earth shattering in the video game industry you think of like a new console right or you think of your idea. So I want I want you to share like this this was your prediction based on what you were reading and kind of checking out there, but I want you to you to f- feed that first. So I was speculating that Microsoft was going to buy Sega. Yep. And part of the reason why I thought this, one Sega's stock price is in the toilet. Yes. They are trading for less than GameStop right now. Huh. Um GameStop's trading for about $4.50 a share. Uh, Sega is trading for about $3.25 a share. Um, also, the Game Gear Cloud or Fog Gaming news did not help the stock. It so, went down a little bit. <laughs> wait, so you're telling me that that did, not, that did not push the stock above GameStop stocks? It did not okay. light any fires under that stock's <laughs> Oh, <ass>. no. <laughs> um, so... Part of the reason why I thought that Microsoft was kind of primed to buy them is that a lot of the games that Sega has made recently have gone straight to Game Pass or been adopted into Game Pass shortly afterwards. So we're talking uh, Two Point Hospital. Uh, the day it came out, it was on Game Pass. Um, Alien Isolation, developed by Certain Affinity, who's owned by Sega. It is now in Game Pass. Um, the Yakuza games were announced for Xbox One and then have been hitting Game Pass the day they release. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're also being good about their releases on Xbox where uh, Square Enix, for instance, they released the Final Fantasy, or not Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts um, remasters on Xbox and they were charging full price for them day one at 50 to 60 bucks even though on playstation you could get all of them for 20 bucks every day of the week um and so like yakuza was coming out and yakuza zero was 20 bucks the day it came out kiwami won 20 bucks the day it came out they made a really big deal of announcing the yakuza i think it's tale of the dragon the the new one right that's right. coming out yep yep that that was a big part of microsoft's little indie presentation they did was showing off that the the new Yakuza game was going to be coming out for Xbox. So I that plus the big news that they were talking about, um, the fact that they were they were going to do it on the same day as a Sony thing. Like I thought that that yeah. Sega was going to make this announcement. <laughs> Sega and Microsoft were going to make this announcement to basically cut the fucking legs. Oh, sorry, out <laughs> from underneath. Uh, <laughs> underneath sony and and i was very 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 wrong (laughs) well yes and while you were very very wrong though you based it on some like credible thoughts like i i don't i wouldn't give you a hard time for that and i never think it's out of the question that a company like microsoft would buy a company like sega that's never out of the question they've made a huge effort to gain a foothold i mean imagine them buying sega and having all games like like having everything Sonic be exclusive to Microsoft. That's a big deal. And and I, there, there's already been a relationship there. Now it was mostly Peter Moore, 
but there was a there was a great relationship there where after the Dreamcast was done and the Xbox was taking off, that Sega brought all their properties to Microsoft, you know, and like there was exclusive deals there. There was a whole lot there. So I, I've said this for years. I have this theory that a lot of the Xbox fans are ex Sega fans that still hate Sony to this day. So that's why they're so diehard Microsoft because they were Sega fans that took the leap to Microsoft because that's where Sega went initially. Which, where when it comes to me, you are exactly right, right on. It's exactly <laughs> so, was my gaming lineage. Uh, I went from Dreamcast, and I was I was bitter at all the so- the Sony fans. Because uh, their their excitement for a console that didn't that wasn't coming out for two years basically killed the Dreamcast. Yeah. Wow! Like like and plenty it, of people were like, "Oh, I don't want the Dreamcast. The PlayStation Two is coming out." It's like, yeah, two years yeah, from now. It's, it's so far away, but it doesn't matter. It was so good. <laughs> like, and then of course, oh, it's a DVD player. Uh, but yes, so I I I think you based everything on very realistic thoughts, and there had been that rumor going around. Which it, it it does suck because I could see it have being like I could see it working, but the rumor was that Microsoft, even if they didn't buy Sega, that they were going to license Sega and sell the Series X in Japan as the Sega Series X. Now that rumor, I don't even know who started it. I, it was never based on any credible information. It was just people like saying. This is, you know, this is what would be cool, right? But man, what a move that would be. If Microsoft, because Microsoft is, has a negative foothold in Japan already. You need something to change up the thought and the feel to that market. And attaching to Sega, I, I could see that working. I really could. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would move a ton of units. It would just change the perception of Microsoft, a, a foreign company. And, and and if you had like Sega headquarters in Japan running the Series X division in Japan, you know, exclusive software that our studio is making games for Japan in Japan, like that could work. Um, but it ends up not being true. I mean, like the earth shattering announcement is for Game Gear minis and fog gaming, <laughs> which I, <laughs> while I think is cool or could be cool. I mean, that's got to be up there in the top 10 most disappointing things in video game history. I don't know in the last, we'll say the last five years. Cause who knows? Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean like when you say something like it's earth shattering and earth changing, like what do they think that the rabid fans are going to do besides take that information and speculate and just go mental. And there were a ton of speculation videos. I didn't watch any of them. I should have because I'd love to call those people out and like how ridiculous some of them were. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I I think that's what I said. When you said that, we were talking about this last week when we knew we were going to talk about the story because originally we were going to do the podcast tomorrow so that we could cover the Sony announcement, which obviously has been delayed. So we don't, you know, the, the PlayStation 5 announcement with everything going on in the world today, they didn't want to drop the announcement now. So they, they pushed that back, and then it was like, well, here's the Sega thing. <laughs> so, and now, now it was funny because you said they were going toe to toe with the Sony info. And if it had been something as groundbreaking, earth shattering as Sega and Microsoft together, that'd have been awesome. I mean, like, I even started picturing like a white Xbox Series X with the big blue Sega logo down the side. Like, I, <laughs> when you said button. that, yeah, when you said that, I like, I was picturing it in my head. I was like, 
man, that'd be pretty cool, man. I'd probably buy that. And as a stupid collector, I'm like, I'd buy that. And I'm like, ah, even though I'd probably never play it or use the stupid thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think I said something like, well, that'd be really cool, but I think it's probably going to be something a little less extreme. And I think I said something like Sonic Sonic Adventure 3 or something. I don't know. I think I just kind of pulled something out of my ass. And, and uh, did, yeah. So yeah. kind of Sega related. Um, did you see the that the, a 20-year-old Sonic fan site shut down after a poorly advised Black Lives Matter tweet? I did not. <laughs> Yikes. I, um, I don't know. They, they tweeted saying that the the plight of George Floyd, they, they, they compared it to things that have happened to Sonic in Sonic the Hedgehog games. Oh. It was really bad. And like so this, so, later, oh boy! Later that day, they reach, they deleted the tweet. They put up a, a an apology, and then they they put a uh, like birth of the site, end of the site, like nineteen ninety nine to two thousand twenty. Like we're done, and they deleted their whole site. That there's not a better phrase to go along with that than. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yep. That is just so dumb. That's so dumb. Was there anything so, else yeah. you wanted to add about the Sega the Sega stuff? Was there anything else that uh, that we're missing? Well, I'm going to further speculate that maybe because Sony delayed their news, we got our real Sega <laughs> news delayed. <laughs> what are you doing to yourself, man? You, just, you tortured yourself. You tortured yourself. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel so bad. Um, okay, so really they pushed back the real news, which is, and actually that that came through too. Sega had uh, they had patented like touchscreen controls or something like like some patent came down that they had that they had filed for, and we're all like, oh, okay, so is that like patenting, you know, walking in video games? <laughs> I mean, like it's, <laughs> everything is touch. I don't know, but anyway. Or- for the record, I think Fog Gaming is stupid. <laughs> yes, that's, yes, I didn't get to ask I, your opinion on that. Yes, I, I think that the 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 big news was that they've created a buzzword. Um, Do you think and K- Kojima's working for him now, just making up words? Yeah, and I, I think the Game Gear minis are dumb, but I totally want a red one. <sighs> so I've decided I can't do it. I can't buy one. They're so terrible and worthless. I can't do it. I wish that they had the Coca-Cola branding on them, like the red Game <laughs> that, Gear that we had. That would and be cool. On the same token, I hope we get a half-inch uh, Atari Lynx Mini uh, with the red Marlboro branding on it. You, you got to be careful when you say that, because you know those Atari dudes are looking for any money they can get, <laughs> since, they, since apparently they're only going to be able to release 500 Atari VCS Mini Atari boxes or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Uh, have you ever seen the uh, the red Marlboro Lynx? I have not, but that sounds incredible. Yeah, it was you. You had to like chain smoke six packs a day in order to get one. You had to turn in Marlboro miles. As a kid, I would have done that. I'd have made that sacrifice for a Lynx. <laughs> <laughs> my my first Lynx I got at a rummage sale when I was like, well, I was probably, I was probably sixteen or seventeen. Which means the Lynx would have been out for a couple, maybe. F- when did the Lynx come out? That'd be like 93 or 94. 89, I think. They're old. 
Oh, really? That old? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They didn't come out before the original Game Boy, did they? I... Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, I but, have one like 10 feet over there, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's not important. But, yeah, you know Atari, they'll, they'll be the first one to be like, it's a Lynx Mini. You got to get it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think this Mini... mini The Mini Craze, I am a fan of. I mean, I like the Turbo one. I like how they did it where they had different versions, but they had all the games on all the versions were the same. Like, this just feels like they're trying to milk it so bad, you know? But a little bit. They're probably not even going to bring it to the States. Honestly, or they'll do one skew in the States and maybe one skew will have like 10 games on it. I mean, that, that's how they're going to do it here. They're not going to do this four skews thing because it won't fly here. Plus half these games aren't translated and I know they're not going to put the effort into translating them. Like there's, there's <laughs> no way this, this is the lowest, most minimal effort I've seen since the PlayStation classic and the PlayStation classic is a pretty low bar to, uh, now, to slide under. Of all of the companies that would make minis though, I do think that Sega would actually potentially license a fan translation. I could probably um, see that. Yeah, I, I, it's a company they're more flexible, seemingly. Okay, that's fair. I, I mean, hell, they went to Christian Whitehead to create Sonic Mania after that, he modded the PC games. So. That is true. That is a good point. So it's so yeah. There's a there's a there's a path, I guess, to it. So all right. So uh, now that we're done talking about Sega, John. Now, now you have to see this. Now it's really now we got two of us up close <laughs> because we're going to be talking about um, rare collectibles, right? So we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, but we each, you know, a couple weeks ago we did the rare PS2 games thing, and I thought it was pretty cool. I actually, it, it, I really like the idea that there's like a collecting aspect of the podcast, and then there's a news side of it. Like, I like having news stories, but I like also talking about something kind of weird. So we decided this week we were going to pull five weird and rare things from our collections and talk about them. And so, John, what I want you to do is obviously as you go through the things, you know, give us a little backstory on it, too. You know, maybe spend a minute or two on every item and just kind of talk about maybe where you got it and why you got it and, and kind of a little bit about the backstory, I guess. Yep. And so John's going to do his five and then I'm going to do my five after that. All right. My five come with like an asterisk because I have some that are themed together. So you'll see. All right. All right. So for the first uh, thing, so Sony or GameStop created exclusive GameStop controllers for the last two years worth of their manager. So... This silver one is from the 2019 Nashville conference. Which you weren't uh, at. I was not. So interesting. <laughs> I wonder how you got that controller. Then. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have a gold one from the 2018 Indianapolis conference. Which you were at. I was at. I have a clear blue one from the Indianapolis conference, which the clear blue one, I believe, was a... Best Buy or Walmart exclusive for that color uh, that they replaced the touchpad on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. All right. I've got a camo Ugh. one from the 2019 conference. So they did multiple colors. They did like every color. But not everyone got every color. Right. So you had to go around to all the managers buying up all their controllers. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And oh, then, well, the, <laughs> the last one, I've got a red one. And so... On the 
box itself. So instead of saying whatever they normally say right here, uh, the 2018 ones say, the future is in the fundamentals, which was the buzzword slogan of the 2018 GameStop. Uh, and then 2019, the buzzword was reboot, which I think they're still pressing that button and it's not turning back on. <laughs> What's the, um, did you ever watch, did you watch the good place? Yes. Okay. So, uh, the, the, there's the one character where he keeps getting rebooted over and over again. He keeps getting smarter and smarter. So like, that's them. They just keep rebooting and rebooting, hoping it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be different and work. Which is not working. Which is not working. All right. So, part two. So, that was just part one. So, regional-ish exclusive ESRB-rated uh, Xbox 360 games. Hmm. So, El Chavo Kart. El Chavo is a Mexican uh, Sesame Street, basically. And it's really popular in Latin America. Um... I've talked to a couple customers that uh, that came into my GameStop when I worked there about El Chavo. As soon as I said it, they immediately knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, El Chavo, you can find in the U.S. easily on Wii, which I believe you have a copy on the Wii yes. right now in your store. But it's just called El Chavo, I believe. I don't think it's called Cart. I think it's just El Chavo, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, so this is pretty much... You're going to find it on Amazon, eBay, online, or uh, in Mexico. And then Asterix and Obelisk at the Winter uh, at the Olympic Games. And this is weird because it's based on a... The, the game is based on a comic, and this is based on a movie that was based on the comic. <laughs> so it's a really weird game. It features like these weird live-action cutscenes in the middle of it from the movie. Um, but otherwise it's a normal like uh, platform brawler type. Um, it's fun enough. And uh, these were easy to find like 10 years ago. Um, my buddy uh, bought like 10 of them and he's basically just sitting on them waiting for them to price. Everything's going um, up right now. These quarantine have you, prices. Have you ever seen this in your store? I've never seen that ever. Yeah, I've never seen either it. of them. El Chavo, I've seen on PS3. I have a sealed copy on PS3. Really? Mm-hmm. That, so, that someone is brought also that in. Pretty pricey. Yeah, someone brought that into the store about a year ago, I think. Nice. Yeah. All right. So that was the second one. All right. Do you know what these are? Those are the learning PS1 games. Yes. Yes. The, so, they're educational only PS1 games. Yes. Uh, have you ever had these in your store? Yes, I had a bunch of them, but I didn't have the boxes like you do, which makes them okay. way cooler. And I, I think I had doubles of some, but not all of them. And eventually I made someone buy them all. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and, he, and when he bought them, he's like, well, I don't really want all these. I was like, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Take them all. Because they're surprisingly not worth anything. Like, yeah. They're, like, um, they're, they're worth so little. It's And it's crazy to me because... They're edu- like one of the games actually kind of neat. I was playing a, a ROM of it or an ISO of it. It was like it it was um it wasn't a game necessarily, but it was like a teaching art thing. And it was like a Japanese guy was telling us a story, and it showed like it was like a hand drawn like tale of this like Japanese folklore. It was really cool, really really cool. So there's three of these boxes. 
Uh, so I have two. Um, and then inside, they've got the different games are divided yeah. up. Uh, and there's different parts to them. Uh, and so, like, there's cer- certain discs that I'm actually missing. Um, so it, I, I might want you to tell me what the name of that guy that Damn you made by all uh, I can't believe that. I should have known that. Although I could I could see what ones he has doubles of, and I could I could hook you guys up on Twitter, and you guys could yeah. DM each other back and forth. His name's Eric. Good fella. Uh, but besides this, so I bought one of these from eBay, and the the person I bought a, bought it off of eBay from must have worked for a school. And so not only did I get the box of games, but I got a like little weird like pencil case fanny pack looking thing that said Lightspan Games on it. <laughs> oh, that's um, cool, man. I got like a teaching syllabus thing that they sent with it. And then they sent me the school's PlayStation 1 that had like the Sharpie like name of the school on the top of the system. That's amazing. So my my OG PlayStation One in my collection from a. <laughs> that's great. I mean, and and that's a little bit of the backstory of these is that it was software and it was only available educationally. It was never sold in stores. Yeah. Like you couldn't get these, and they're not worth anything. Like how they which, they can't have made too many of these, you know? Yeah, but, which is funny because this was this would have been stupid expensive to buy as a school because oh, everything yeah. is stupid expensive to, when you're. <laughs> When you're buying it for yeah. a school, when, when like they se- make this yeah. educational software for schools and then they charge an exorbitant amount of money for it to make some bucks. Right, because it's a school and government funding and all that stuff. So you take right. advantage of that. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. All right. So that was the third one. So this, I'm probably predicting, is what you thought I was going to bring. Yes, that is what I thought you were going to bring. All right. So this is the Cave Ultimate Shooting Collection, The End. And this is an awesome collection of games. It is every game that Cave made for Xbox 360. Um, they're all I'm so in these jealous giant of that box. cases. I'm so jealous of that box. And they give you every disc. Um, one of the neat things that they do as well, and this is why I really, really wanted it, is this white disc right here is all of the download content for every single game in this package. So at some point, you're not going to be able to download the DLC for these games, and that disc will be the only way to get them. And that disc will one day, someone will upload that so that people who have these can download the ISO and play them on Xbox 360 emulators on computers in like 20 years. So (laughs) the other crazy thing about this, so these are all DVD gameplay playthroughs of their games. And so, like, this one has three discs, and it is, like, the craziest, best players of these games just destroying them. Oh, nice. Um, Embarrassing people like you so and they've I. they've got beautiful art on each of them. Uh, That's really cool. Aki Katana. Esco I have that. Buddha's in uh... here. Dodan Pachi Black Label. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really the, neat, man. The the funny thing about like the Dodan Pachi games is that they all they're all called Dodan Pachi Black Label or 1.5 whatever. They're all so radically different. Like hmm. it's weird that they're all named very very similarly, and it sounds like they're just a different version of the same game, but they're all very very different. Hmm. Uh, So 
I this is a reason I love one website and hate another website. So when this game came out, I had it pre-ordered on Play Asia for like six months. It came out like right at my birthday. It was going to be like four hundred and fifty bucks. I had the money set aside. I was super pumped to get it, and. Two weeks went by after the release date and nothing. And so I emailed PlayAsia and was like, hey, what the heck is going on? Why haven't I not gotten, why haven't you charged my card yet? Why am I not getting the cave collection? They went, oh, we're sorry. We don't have any stock of that. Cancel my order. And I was just like, what? what? I've been waiting for six months. What the hell? So I went on eBay out of curiosity, because I was like, all right, do I have to get it some yeah. other way? How much do I got to pay now on eBay? Yeah. Right. So I look on eBay, and and some seller that suspiciously looks like they possibly might be some sort of Asian video game website, maybe, uh, has like a brick wall made of these, of like 60 of them stacked up, and they're selling them for $1,000. Mm. And so it was like, Awesome. Wait, so, so can you confirm was that Play Asia? I can't. Okay. But I have a hard time not thinking it was them. Sure. Because of because of the fact that I had it pre-ordered for so long, and that they didn't even offer me like they didn't apologize. They didn't. They they were so quick to cancel my order, and not give me any indication of how I could possibly get it. Well, what's weird about that too is why didn't they auto cancel it then? Like unless they thought if they didn't weren't able to sell them online then they would fulfill your order, but like when were they going to do that? That's very strange. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not that's not good business. So, now why I have it is an awesome import website called Solaris Japan, which I buy way too much stuff there, but yes. Yeah, I, from what I can tell, Solaris Japan seems to be one dude that moved from Africa to Japan. Oh. And he, uh, because his name was on like the Bill of Lading, uh, so oh, I actually looked okay. him up on Facebook. Um, nice. And Solaris is just so consumer friendly. They have great prices on most things. Um, uh, I, I'm i into the Oni Chambara games a lot, and the there were two Oni Chambara games that I didn't have. There was uh, Zikagura uh, X for um, Xbox 360, and then there was uh, Oni Chambara Zikagura with No No No, which is a weird alien character. Um, and so on Play Asia, those games were like fifty to sixty bucks. On Solaris Japan, when I bought them, they were fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. And 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 they they come with. Now they were pre-owned, but they came with all the books and, and inserts. They're in immaculate condition. He ships them really quickly. I love that website. Nice. Awesome, awesome website. If yeah. you want important stuff that you can't get off of, uh, like, he, he mostly sells, like, a lot of pre-owned. Um, so, like, if something just came out yesterday, he's probably not going to be able to get it for you. But if you're looking for older import stuff, it's a fantastic site. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is everything that comes from that website is immaculate. Yep. Like nothing sold on there is 
bad art, damaged, crappy, or anything. It's just always awesome. And then they put they put plastic bags around everything before shipping. It doesn't get scuffed up. And just like any store, you got to shop around. Like when I'm when I'm there and I see a bunch of really cool stuff. Like when I was trying to get all the Monster Hunter games and like complete my Monster Hunter collection and complete my FromSoft collection. I went there and I would look up all these games and then I really quickly went to eBay and sometimes they'd have it for like 30 bucks and I could get it for 15 to 20 on eBay. So you have to be smart. And I say, okay, well I'll buy that on eBay. And then I'd go back to Slayer's Japan, find something else for 20. And I'm like, okay, go to eBay, 30, $40 all day. You know? So I would say I get about half my stuff from Slayer's Japan, but everything that comes from there is in great shape. And, and I mean, it's just amazing condition. And, and, um, I, I, I totally agree. I've never had a bad experience with them at all. Uh, I got my frame Meister there. Uh, I, I actually have something in my rare pile from there. Um, okay. which, uh, I've never seen one on eBay. That's like how rare this thing is. And I hmm. found out about it from their website because I was searching, uh, as a teaser, I was searching from soft stuff and I had never seen this before. And I was like, holy crap, I need this. And I looked on eBay to try to get an idea of what a fair price is and no clue. And although to be fair, I haven't looked it up in like a year. So it could have been on there now, but like at the time there wasn't. So yeah, great, great store. So SolarisJapan.com. They, they mostly have PS2 and newer imports. They don't really do like a lot of Famicom, Super Famicom. You don't see much of that stuff on there. It's mostly disc-based stuff. And there's not even a lot of PS1 and Saturn. Like there's some, but it's mostly, well, I guess no PS1 Saturn is on there. That's kind of as old as they go. So really the disc-based stuff is kind of their, yeah. their, their forte, I would say. But anyway, sorry. Oh, you're good. All right. And so the last thing I got, and they're kind of together. So... On the original Xbox, they got Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City way later yes. uh, than the PlayStation 2 did. Um, it took, it was probably like six months to a year, if not longer. And actually, no, it was almost two years. Because um, when they released, they released in a double pack with Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City together. Right, and so it, it was uh, after silver... Vice City came out, yeah. Yeah, so it was a silver foil cover, and then the boxes didn't have the normal cover art. They had, like, a big, like, splash page of, like, um, a chick in a bikini holding, like, a martini on one and something else on the other. I'm pretty sure Grand Theft Auto 3's just got, like, skyscraper backdrop. I think okay. it's got like a navy blue. I'm trying to like yeah, picture my head right. right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it just says Grand Theft Auto Three in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Well, <laughs> I have the actual covers for Grand Theft Auto Vice City. That is really cool. Oh, that's really cool. Now, so interesting. They okay, have no UPC on them. interesting so do you know where these came from i have no clue i've never seen those and that's awesome uh these which the spines are correct as well um these came from blockbuster um and it like right before they closed them all so those were their cases from their shelves uh when they displayed them for rental 
Interesting. So they got different rental copies with different art so that they could actually, that's so cool, man. That's really cool. I did not know that I've never seen those before. Oh, I feel like maybe you like kind of in my head. I feel like maybe you mentioned those to me sometime, but that's really cool. Damn. That's really cool. So when did you get those? Uh, I bought them from blockbuster like the second they put them up for sale. Okay. Nice. So I've had those for years. Have you ever looked them up? Uh, usually when I have to, like when I put them into collection stuff, um, like if, if you look them up on vgcollect.com right now, my copies are the ones that are on that site. Oh my God. Well, I just looked it up on eBay. Okay. It, there are two for sale right now. How much are they? 280 or 300. For just just Grand Theft Auto Three, damn. Yeah, that's. Do they say Blockbuster? Uh, I searched Grand Theft Auto Three Blockbuster Xbox. So now I'm doing Vice City. There is two up for sale, taken with the exact same pictures as the other ones, (laughs) for two eighty and three hundred. So literally, the only ones for sale is one person has them both, and, and has them both for. Uh, one person has them both for 280. One person has them both for, um, uh, for 300. So I look at this. There, there, and there are none sold uh, in the last like 90 days. That's so cool, man. That, I'm jealous of that. It's really neat. And I, if I was gonna play those games, I would play them on PS2 anyway. But that's that's so cool. That's really cool. And there's none none have sold of three or Vice City. That's really neat, man. Now that's, that's really neat. The reason why that game is great on Xbox or the original Xbox though is custom soundtracks. Custom soundtracks, yep. That is a yeah, yeah, I can't I, yeah, that's a benefit. Uh, yep. Also, I am probably one of the few people that has filled an entire Xbox with custom soundtracks. <laughs> um which for the record, you can hold about 93 discs worth of music. Uh, right. and also, it is a giant pain in the butt to put all the track data in because the game, they don't do it for you. Yeah. I had to enter in all of the track data. <laughs> like it couldn't read it. It couldn't read the metadata. Nope. Nope. Well, nope. and um, the other weird thing too is, uh, so I think the, uh, the original Xbox has eight gigs worth of memory. Yes. And um, they don't let you fill it completely because I still like most of the time when you look at an Xbox, it'll always say that there's like 50,000 plus blocks available. Yeah. Well, my system is completely, my black original Xbox is completely full of uh, Xbox or of of the soundtracks. And it still says I have 50,000 blocks remaining, (laughs) (laughs) but it will not let me put any more music on that console. And that's actually what got me to buy my first extra Xbox original. Um, which then I got the the Halo console was that I'd stuffed the one full of music. So when I'm playing Xbox, it's just like, hmm, am I in the mood for music circa 2002 or 2003? Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. You know what I just thought of with the Grand Theft Autos? What's I, that? I, I would think there would be a lot of those out there. I mean, obviously the Blockbuster cases got destroyed, stolen, whatever. But every blockbuster, especially those two games, they must have bought a bunch to to rent. I mean, not a bunch, but let's say every store had probably what five. I don't know how many blockbusters were left at that time, but 
don't know. It just seems like there would be more out there. I mean, how many blockbusters were open in the U.S. before they went out of business? Like maybe 2,000? Maybe so. It might also be a case of people not knowing that they exist, and so therefore yeah. not knowing that they're funny. That's that's awesome. I gotta tell it to Dave. I'll bet you he's never seen that before. That's he'll he'll think that's really cool too. So what did you got? All right. So uh, I'm gonna start with kind of the the, the bland first. Did you drop your green screen? Uh, I had image to. to to mess or so it wouldn't mess with your uh, your I, stuff. You're gonna bring up. I did, I did. So the first one, this is this is the uh, rarest game in my collection. This is the most expensive game in my collection. It it's coming in at about thirty five hundred to four thousand bucks, and that is my complete inbox copy of Little Samson. Uh, I'd say it's about a seven out of ten condition. There is some some corner slammage up here, which I don't love. Obviously, I'd love myself to be dead mint, but you know, beggars, choosers, and all that jazz. Um, it's in a hard plastic shell. Like, I don't even keep this thing in a normal box protector. Like, I straight up have this thing in, like, a acrylic hard plastic case. Um, this game uh, is just mega rare. It's, it's no one... It's, there's certain facts with the NES that people don't know. People don't know what the minimum print run was of any given game. But the rumor is that it's about 10,000. Like, the okay. minimum you could print of a game was, like, 10,000. That's kind of the always been the rumor. Well, people estimate that this got the bare minimum 10,000. It is a very late life NES game. Uh, I don't, you know, what? I'm gonna look up when that came out because I feel like that. Uh, I think it was like 1994 or something like that. Yeah, it, it had to be late. Um, because let's see here, it released in North America actually November of '92, but that would have been the year the Super Nintendo came out. So. Is that right? 92 or 91? Well, in any case, it was after the Super Nintendo came out. So that obviously anything produced after that in the early days, Nintendo was very much like, don't make a lot. It's probably not going to sell because we want people to move on to the new stuff. And when they (laughs) buy the new stuff, they're not going to buy this old crap. So a lot of the times when a, like a game like this or mighty final fight Contra force games like that were, were rare because they're not particularly great. They just didn't make very many. Final Fight at least had name power like Contra did too, but Contra Force is just a terrible game, and it's not even Contra. It's like something else, and they just called it Contra when they brought it here because, well, they could sell it to us because Contra had a it was a name a game that had a lot of equity. So Little Samson, this is my most expensive game in my whole collection, and so I wanted to show that off, of course. Have you played it? Have I have. Have you played that version? I have. I've played this cart. Um, I want to play it to completion so that I could say I finished it. This might be one of those games that I play on my extra life stream. I've been thinking about doing that this year, maybe like play all the way through little Samson, my buddy Jack and I usually pick an NES game to play through and it'd be fun. It is difficult, but it is really fun. And you, you have four different creatures you play as, and each creature has different moves and abilities and you beat every creature stage. And then you have to do every creature's stage again, or every character, I should say not creature, every character. Um, very fun game though. Like, it's too bad it got a limited release because it is, you know, really, really good. So my second rarest, like, rare item I'm bringing to the table is my official, real copy of LSD Dream Emulator for the PS1. Uh, yes, it's called LSD Dream Emulator. So this game is described as a dream emulator slash simulator that was made by an artist who didn't really make games necessarily. He wanted to make art, and uh, he tried to make a game that 
while a dream simulator also may uh, give you a feeling of what it was like to be uh, well under the influence, perhaps. Um, okay. But it's it's such it's a weird it's a, it's not really a game, right? So it is as in you walk around a three D world. And anytime you interact with certain objects or touch things or move into a certain area, you'll just be teleported randomly somewhere else. And then okay. after and, and every day, like you get to have a dream like once a day. And then at the end of the dream, it rates it and says, oh, this was a positive dream. This was a negative dream. This was rest. It's just it's just weird. I, and none of it makes any sense. It's not like a psychological anything. It's just so weird. And it, to me, it's one of those things that's so weird and you can never find copies up for sale. And I'm a huge PS1 fan, and I, I just love weird, goofy stuff like this. So I think I bought my copy a couple years ago for uh, maybe a hundred bucks or something. And um, let's see what's going for now, just just because. Um, oh, it's about four fifty five hundred. <laughs> so Damn, that's, that's that's a good one. I'm happy with that. Um, but yeah, just just weird. I don't know. It, and it's so it is expensive. Obviously, it's uncommon, but it's also uh, it's just cool. Just kind of a kind of a weirdy. Have you ever played? Now this is a very bizarre game. Soda Drinker Pro. I have never played so a game called Soda Drinker. <laughs> have you heard of it? No. So uh, it came on Xbox One, and I was very excited to download it. Um, there's a game hidden within Soda Drinker Pro that is called like Vivian Clark, and Vivian Clark is also sounds like the LSD game a little bit where like you never know what is going to happen based on what you touch in the game and everything in the game just feels like a giant drug trip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like might be very much inspired by. Yeah. It's, it's a very unique and weird game. So what else you got? So next up, I've got my maximum carnage collector's edition. For the okay. Sega Genesis. So for the podcast listeners, it's in a huge Mines Factory sealed too. Um it's in a it's in a huge red box with the black symbiote look to it, so it looks like Carnage. It's the Sega Genesis game Spider Man Venom Maximum Carnage, one of the very few LGN games that's playable. Um <laughs> and so this is a Q, this was a QVC exclusive collector's edition. You can only buy this on QVC. I'm gonna zoom in, in the camera here. And that white sticker says QVC item number. So the only problem is you can't tell if it's the Genesis or Super Nintendo version without opening it up. So this <laughs> so my I'm pretty sure this is the Genesis one based off of I have an open one at the store that has the exact same number as this and it's the Genesis version. So okay. I I would assume this is the Genesis version because I would assume up here somewhere in the item number it would say like 626 or 627. Like they had to distinguish on here. But the only Super Nintendo ones I've seen don't have the original plastic with the original QVC sticker on it. Now, the funny story about this game was uh, I got I saw one on Craigslist. I think this was this would have been last spring, like a year ago, spring, like March. See one on Craigslist locally here in Green Bay. He uh, he wants he wants 600 bucks for it. Send a message. Say, hey, would you do 500? Doesn't reply back. Okay, well, screw me, I guess. Didn't like my offer. No problem. I'll just, whatever, who cares? I don't really care that much for it and whatever. I mean, I did want it, but I was like, I'd... okay, I'll wait. F- kind of forget about it. Six months later, see it up on Craigslist again. Now it's $500. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so I say, hey, will you take 400? And he goes, sure. <laughs> and he took 400. So I got really same lucky. Guy. Same guy, same same everything. I met him at Powers Comics, uh, gave him the cash, picked up the game. Very happy. It, uh, um, it was, yeah, so whatever. Um, funny story, that was not this copy. That's what's funny about this story. So the copy that I got from that gentleman is actually the one that's in my store right now. Because, and I kid you not, the very next day, a gentleman comes in who does a lot of rummage sailing. He's a regular customer store, sells me lots of stuff. Comes in and says, hey, I found this rummaging today for 10 bucks. What would you pay for it? <laughs> he had a crap. he found a factory sealed Maximum Carnage that I just paid $400 for for an open one. He found a sealed one for 10 bucks at a rummage sale the next day. What in the hell? Like, Which that copy looks immaculate. This is about as perfect as you can get. I mean, there's no dinged corners, no dinged sides. Everything about this thing is is perfect. I mean, the shrink wrap's got a, a few marks in it, but just beautiful. And I'm like, what the hell was everyone doing that night in Green Bay on QVC? Like, were we just all sitting at home? Was it a snowstorm? And so we're like, oh yeah, here's a Maximum Carnage Collectors. Y'all yeah, buy that. The summer <laughs> in like the summer of '93 or four or whatever it was when this thing came out. But it's uh. It's, I mean, the packaging alone makes me want to keep it. I yeah. just absolutely love how this looks. Um, and it's Spider-Man, which I love. And Maximum Carnage is a game I liked. I have it in my collection, and I did like it growing up. And it's a collector's edition that was only available on QVC. Like, how weird. Do you, you know, know how much it sold for originally on QVC? I don't. I, I, I might have looked it up, and I think if I had to guess, it was somewhere around 100 and 120 bucks. I think. Okay. Like, originally, but... Oh man, but that is, that's one of my favorite things. That's like one of my favorite things in my collection, but like I would also would sell it if it got me a whole bunch of money. The last time I looked up one of those, um, actually I'll take a quick look, but, um, got a spell. I also played a ton of that game, but I rented a lot when I was a kid. Um, Nice. Uh, so, right. So the last one that sold sold for a thousand bucks. That was okay. May. That was May 9th. It's factory sealed, and I'm looking at the original auction here because it has. It says six two seven actually. So the Super Nintendo version is six two seven. I mean, I assume this is Super Nintendo. It says. Never been open. Still, there's somewhere factory seal sold as is. It literally does not say what system it's for. <laughs> so the person didn't know. But if it's six two seven, I'm gonna go on a limb and say that's the Super Nintendo one, because six two six I know from the one I have at the store with the plastic on it, but that's open is the Genesis one. Interesting. So yeah, so a thousand bucks for the Super Nintendo one, but I think that's undervalued. I think the Super Nintendo one usually goes around fifteen hundred. Uh, and the Genesis one usually hangs around a thousand. So, uh, so they probably got less because they couldn't identify what was in the box. And and here's the crazy thing. So the copy I have at the store, the shrink wrap is off outside the box, but the game's still sealed on the inside. He literally opened it. So he would know what version of the game it was. The guy that (laughs) the, the guy, yeah, the guy I bought it from opened it so he could tell what version of the game it was crazy. What else is in that box? It comes literally. It's got three pins the game and then a hard cover copy of the first issue of the maximum carnage crossover 
Okay. Which I That's think was like cool. Spider-Man Unlimited, uh, I think, or something like that. But I, I forget what issue one of Maximum Carnage is, but it's like a red hardcover book. It's it's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was Spider-Man Unlimited Zero. Yeah. Uh, um, I was big into Spider-Man in the 90s, right up until uh, the Clone Saga. I loved Mark Bagley's oh. art, uh, who designed Carnage and all that. Yeah. So. I I've, I fell off during the clone stuff. They lost me, and I was a huge Spider-Man yep. fan. Actually, my first comic book I ever bought was the Amazing Spider-Man that was number two of Maximum Carnage. I bought it from like the local uh, grocery store or whatever, and they only had a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man. So I bought that, and then like a few weeks later, they've got Maximum Carnage like number six. I'm like, what are you talking about number six? It's number two. <laughs> I had number two. I need number three. And then I learned I learned all about crossovers. I learned all about it. Um, so next up, this, this is one of my pride and joys. I love this thing. This is what I bought on Solaris Japan and I'm going to look it up on eBay cause maybe now it's a little more known, but I found it there. This is the Kingsfield dark side box. So okay. th- this is, this is a collection of every Kingsfield game from the PS one and PS two in Japan. So on the side, you can see like the cool gems here. Uh, it says Kingsfield on the side and in the front and then it opens up and there's like an anniversary from software book in here and it's got Kingsfield 1 which we never got our Kingsfield 1 is Japan's Kingsfield 2 then Kingsfield 3 in Japan is our Kingsfield 2 and then Kingsfield 4 was for PS2 so this has Kingsfield 1, 2, 3 and 4 in it and I just I freaking love the box it's like it's etched too like you can it's textured and nice. it's just it's so cool. And I saw this cause I, I searched from software on Solaris Japan and I was just like, Oh, here's some from software games. Oh, I want to get, you know, Oh, I want to get a copy of shadow tower abyss and then import copy shadow tower, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden I'm like Kingsfield. And I want to say they, when I first saw it on the site, they were out, they didn't have any. And then I went looking for it on eBay, couldn't find it. And then eventually they had one in at the store uh, and I was able to buy it. So, Let's see, Kingsfield Dark Side box. How much did that thing run you on Solaris? I want to say before I searched it on eBay, I want to say I paid like a hundred bucks for it, hundred hundred twenty bucks, something like that. That's not too bad. So there's one up for sale for four hundred and four. Damn, which is awesome. And sold listings, there are none. <laughs> so the none sold and one up for sale for four hundred. Um, so yeah, I, I love that thing though. And I just, I love, so Kingsfield one, I played Kingsfield one when it came out, it was one of my first PS one games and I love that game. And so when I heard demon souls was coming out, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure this is the Kingsfield guys. And everyone's like, what do you mean Kingsfield? I'm like Kingsfield, Kingsfield. And I, I like, <laughs> no one had ever played that on PS one. And I'm like, it was one of my favorite games and it was super hard, you know, sound familiar, uh, open exploration game. Don't give you any direction on how to play. <laughs> So the three staples of the Souls games were were bored into my brain years ago in Kingsfield. So there's that. And the last one, I keep saying this because like everything's like a favorite piece of my collection. But this is my test PS2. So I'm hey. I, I'm very proud of this thing. I love this thing uh, because it's uh, region free, so it can play European, Japanese, and English US release PS2 games and PS1 games. Go ahead, John, get off camera. I know you got one. Go get yours. Um, so it can uh, 
it can play all these and basically it was a it, it was literally what it says it is it's a test unit and, and i know the podcast listeners can't see this here's now look at and what's funny i got my blue stand too <laughs> we have network <laughs> adapters on the back like it's exactly the same so what i what i love about this system though besides it being region free it also plays burn discs because the idea was that you would have these. These were a lot cheaper than dev kits. So instead of having a PS2 dev kit on every station so you could have people test out like a new build of your game because they literally would burn a CD or a DVD of their game and give it to the testers or give it to whatever department needed to go over their stuff. So uh, that's why it says test here. The, the, where if, if you've ever seen a big fat PS2, it it's got on the top it's etched in says ps2 and then in blue letters it just says ps2 this instead of the blue letters that say ps2 it says test in in the font it's very cool um it since it plays burn discs one thing that i i really love um japanese games that i can find translations of and a lot of times what you can find is you can find uh like translated ISOs of PS1 and PS2 games. So someone took a Japanese only PS2 game, translated it like an RPG, translated it to English, and they burn it to a DVD. Well, you could play that in your computer, or I can play it in my actual test PS2 system. And so I went on <laughs> Etsy and I bought a bunch of, and it seems silly because I could make these myself, but I bought like certain games that were ISOs burned to a DVD and then they made DVD art for it. They made a DVD case and a booklet and they package it all together and they sell them for like 25 bucks. And so nice. really what you're buying is the package. Cause most people can't play those. I can, I've got a test PS2. I love this thing. <laughs> I bought this thing. God, I had to have bought this thing f- five years ago or something. And I think I paid a hundred bucks and now these are okay. going for three, 400 all day. Like, and and uh, and it's a sad day for anybody else who wants to get one because <laughs> they are not easy to find. Do you know what company yours came from? No, and I, I, I there's a sticker on the side that's peeled off. Like I can see the residue, and I'm just like, I want to know what company had it. Well, I know what company mine came from uh, because I know the guy that sold it to me because I bugged him on um, Digit Press. Yeah, because he had sold one on eBay like the week prior, and I. I bugged him to sell me one. Um, and this guy's like a villain on the digit press. He's got like complete collections of like super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, uh, Genesis, like was every he, retro console. Was he the guy the new- that was buying up? Wasn't that you tell me a story about a guy buying up like stadium events or no, the, the world championship carts. Was it him? I think it might've been him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but anyway, he, he also like, I, there's one game I had back like 10 years ago that I, I, I vindictively took all of the pictures of like, uh, I have a complete copy of WCW wrestling game boy. And it was the last game he needed for a complete game boy collection. And I bought one at uh, mega media exchange, like 15 years ago for 20 bucks (laughs) on a whim. And, uh, so when he when he was asking about it on the site, I took pictures of everything, like all laid out really nice. And then when he's like, "Dude, I'll give you 150 bucks for it," I'm like, "Yeah, not for sale." <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that guy used to run Nubby Tech, and oh, sure. Nubby Tech made controllers for like PS2 and GameCube and a couple other other consoles. 
um, they the the PS2 and GameCube controllers came in like these little circular pods, and they were Sonic the Hedgehog, or no, they were Shadow the Hedgehog and um, Mega Man uh, related. And so that guy's company made those controllers, and he was getting rid of uh, his debug units toward the end of the PS2's life cycle. And so I think I paid about 100 to 150 bucks for this thing. Nice. Yeah, I fig- I was pretty sure you had one because I think we've talked about it before. But yeah. I-, I absolutely love, 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 love that thing. Um, two, three, four. That was it. That was my fifth thing was my, my test PS2. And I think we'll do this again sometime because – I easily could pick out five more things that I'm just like <laughs> that I like to brag about that are in my collection. But that was really, really fun. I, I, I think that was neat. And hopefully the listeners learned about something new that maybe they didn't know about. And uh, and now they can obsess over trying to get it and pay way more than we paid for it when we bought it years ago. The restraint you showed in not using anything Metal Gear also impressive. Thank you. The, the one <laughs> game I did put away was my MSX copies of Metal Gear 1 and 2. I, I okay. had those in the stack until I until I was sitting in the chair actually, and I looked over and I have my test PS2 like right next to my desk because I I literally use it to stream like it's my well I don't I, I use it when I have to I don't use it if okay. I don't because I don't want to burn this thing out even though I feel like these were probably built better than regular PS2s these weren't mass produced so they probably have a better life <laughs> like a life expectancy than a than a mass market. Uh, retail unit, but I can't say that for sure. Um, but yeah, so I saw that and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna do that." I'll talk about Metal Gear later. But I, I could do a whole podcast on just met my Metal Gear stuff. Uh, you know, like sometime I have, to, I have to really document all that sometime and do like a video game room tour of just my Metal Gear stuff. Because one time I took a bunch of it and I like I, it wasn't all of it, but I just took a bunch of it, put it on a table, and took a picture. And I think I tweeted at uh, Kojima and I was like, "Hey, maybe you know this was I think when Metal Gear Solid Five just came out." So I was like, "Hey, Konami and Kojima, check out my Metal Gear stuff." And I just got made fun of by a bunch of people. Like, "That's all you got? That's weak. That's weak." And and don't get me wrong, the picture kind of sucked. But now I just want to be like, you know what? Fine, I will. I will spend like four hours with different tables at different heights, like making this look like a like a temple of Metal Gear. So just like have like one on a hydraulic lift. You press a button and stuff rises mm-hmm. from the back. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and and the other thing too is, unfortunately, Metal Gear Solid 5 really disappointed me and it it killed my love of collecting Metal Gear. Like, I hate to say that, but it just, it killed it. And so now I'm just like, I actually, I've thought about selling all my Metal Gear stuff a few times. Ah. Like, I've got all the, I know I've got all the Play Arts figures. I mean, I would keep the games, but I've got all the Play Arts figures. I've got all the statues. I've got, I've got so much of it. Do like, you have the super sexy, uh, quiet uh, play arts figure? I do. Uh, I also have the Metal Gear Rising Pop Rocks promotional <laughs> items that they made. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually they were actually manufactured in Wisconsin. It was like a plant, really? like like an hour or two south of us. It was like some manufacturing company got the job, and and they made them. And so some guy came in and was like, "Hey, I heard you were a big Metal Gear fan." I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big Metal Gear fan. And he, he brought in like a sealed pack of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance Pop Rocks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, we should crack them open and have some sometime. Ugh, uh, <laughs> they're probably terrible. Um, but all right. So that was that, that was fun, man. I'm glad we did that. Uh, so, John, what is your game of the week this week? What's the one game you want to focus on and tell people about that maybe they don't know that it's a good game? Uh, well, they're going to know it's a good game, but they're going <laughs> to just – hear me obsess about it um also while while you were talking uh i saw 
Warrior 64 uh, announced that um, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning is oh. coming out. So, so who gets all the who gets all the money from this game? New Jersey, the state, uh, the state of New Jersey. Rhode Island is the company, or is actually THQ bought it from Rhode Island, but then they had to work with EA to be able to re-release the game. Jesus, um, I love that game. It's a fantastic game. Um, the only thing I'm wondering is I'm wondering if the uh, the alternate costumes that you get for owning Dead Space 2 and um, uh, Mass Effect get to exist still. Because they're really cool. I'm going to guess no. Alright. <laughs> so, my game of the week is oh, that's Batman cool. Arkham Asylum. Uh, I am crazy about this game. Um, so, I'm a big achievement junkie. Uh, on Xbox 360... There's a regular edition and a Game of the Year edition. I have both of them completed to a thousand points. There's also a Japanese version, which I have completed to a thousand points. For a time, uh, about eight years ago, the PC version and the PC Game of the Year edition also had Xbox achievements. I have both of those completed for, to a thousand points. There's an Xbox One remaster. I have that completed to a thousand points. There's a PlayStation 3 version. I have a platinum trophy in that. There is a Japanese PlayStation 3 version. I have a platinum trophy in that. There is a PlayStation 4 remaster. I have a platinum trophy in that. That is ridiculous. Are you kidding? Like, you've seriously maxed that game on every opportunity you've had. The only version I have not done is the Steam version. Hmm. Uh, and that's just because I'm not a huge PC gamer. The only reason why I played them on PC was that they had Xbox achievements before they shut down the games for Windows Live uh, storefront. Hmm. Uh, so I love Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, I think it's kind of the perfect game. Um, I like that it's not as... like I like that it's very much like a Metroidvania style game yes the combat was amazing i feel like the later games overcomplicated the combat and added too many new moves um so yeah i absolutely love the first game i still do like arkham city a lot but i've never platinumed or gotten all of the achievements in those those newer games mm -hmm. because they're so overcomplicated the um a lot of people complain about the uh the combat challenges in the first game in Arkham city, there's like 20 times the amount of combat challenges yeah. that were in the first game. And so that's, that's why I've never completed those to that degree, but I still love them. They're still great. I sure. still want to know what the hell rock steady's work. So I loved Arkham Asylum when it came out. I, I agree with you. It's like that legend of Zelda Ocarina of time, Darksiders, um, Metroid, Castlevania type, where it's go so far, get an item. Now you can go back, backtrack, and go to new areas based on the item you got. Eventually, you go to a new area, you get a new item, use that item to get to even more places, and you can go back to the places you already were. I thought it was a great formula. I'll be totally yeah. honest. Arkham City, I did not like. I, I, I thought the open world ruined that formula. I th it took something away from it, but I understand that every game in the world had to be open world. So it's fine. And I know people like Arkham city. I had real issues 
with that game. And I just, I just, it just, I lost it for me. I don't know. I, I thought the open worlds felt empty. It felt, um, like, I don't know. I don't know. I did like Arkham Knight. I did like Arkham Knight and I liked the open world city there, except that I really wish there had been more civilians. Like the city didn't feel alive. And I know yeah. it was, and I know it was way before it was years before, but like Spider-Man, like man, New York felt banging all the time. It just, it just felt like a real city where people lived. And if Batman could have done that in Arkham Asylum, I think it'd been incredible. Now I agree. I want to know what Rocksteady is working on. I'm worried that the reason we haven't heard anything is because whatever they were working on maybe got canceled or had to reboot because it wasn't working. It just seems like it's been too long to not say anything unless they're working on an exclusive like PS five launch exclusive or an Xbox one launch exclusive or, or a multi-console launch, but either maybe they had a launch and they were going to release it. They could have released it last year, but they're waiting for the new consoles or something. And that's possible. possible. I think we'll get a game that has a team potentially because they had all those extra characters in Arkham Asylum or in Arkham city and in Arkham Knight that you could play, but they built very specific levels around that character and and you couldn't bring it to the actual open world like the harley harley quinn and red hood had their own specific levels yeah i think we'll get a game that allows you to run around gotham bloodhaven or wherever the hell they said it as more than just batman or more than just cat like they like i could see them making like a titans game or something right like yeah. like something where they have like Nightwing comes back and Robin and you get to almost like you said, switch between them or maybe they're all like looking for Batman or something. So that's like the, the core story would be the Titans are looking for him or something. I might play it. Game, <laughs> my dream game from them would be a Nightwing game set in Bloodhaven because most people haven't dug into the lore behind Nightwing and his city. So they could have so many new villains and sure. new areas to explore that would be unique and you wouldn't feel like you're retreading the same, the same stuff. Well, and and for a while there was that rumor that they were working on a turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. That would have been dope, man. I'm sorry. That would have been like, if I trust anybody to make an open world team-based turtles game, it's them. And that combat would have been incredible for, for that, for that universe. I feel like that, that rumor is mainly based on the name of their studio. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, Because Warner Brothers doesn't own the Turtles, so they'd have to license it from Nickelodeon. Uh, Nickelodeon, yeah, and so they would lose half the the cost of the game right there. Whereas they, uh, I'm pretty sure Roxanne is owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers has all of the DC Comics universe right. under their belt. So, like, it's more realistic. Yeah, I don't think we'll, yes. think we'll ever see them working on anything that isn't owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, and, and the problem is I don't see them spending five years to make a Titans game. It's not it doesn't have a big enough name power. Not that they're they're starting to do shows, you know, and obviously Teen Titans was a cartoon. Like th- there is stuff out there. But I could see them doing a Justice League game. You know, yeah. like that that I could see. And it's like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Like you just kind of run the gamut of the DC superheroes. Like I could see that. I I I've never been a DC guy with the exception of Batman. And so I don't think I would love the game as much but it might make me appreciate those characters um you know but yeah i'm with you man Bar- batman arkham asylum is still my favorite of the trilogy uh and i i think that game was when i first played it and here's a fun story about it too so when i was working at mason street at gamestop when that came out or when the game was coming out and there was a demo that was on the playstation store 
And it was a pretty, pretty light, basic demo. And it just, it just showed the combat. I downloaded the demo and I brought it into our demo unit at the store. Uh, And so we had the Batman demo on our demo PS3 at GameStop. We, we had 150 to 200 pre-orders on that game when the average store had 20. We, we destroyed everybody. And all we did was, did you hear about the new Batman game coming out? You got to play the demo. And when someone played the demo and they saw the, the, like, cause the combat in that game was like nothing you'd ever seen before. It was so well done. And you're like, Oh, here's a dodge. And then you hit this and then you dodge and you block and you grab them. And then you hit two guys at once. You're just like, this is like Batman fighting, you know? And, and, uh, obviously it spawned off clones spider-man i mean i love spider-man but that game's a straight rip off of the arkham system and uh and and so we just destroyed everybody in pre-orders and that and i remember doing conference calls and my district manager would say you know do you want to give us some insight like what you know what's going on i said all you have to do is put this demo in your demo unit download it on a usb drive bring it to your store copy it and and just get it on your playstation in the store and you will get in like pre-orders will just like flood and I think a bunch of managers were like, oh, uh, how do you do that? I don't know how to do that. Uh, and it was stupid. I don't care. We crushed it, man. And that game, it was awesome. And we had so many copies pre-ordered. And it was just like, it was it was a big midnight at that point as Call of Duty or Madden was. That's just how big it was for us. It was it was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was, that was such a good memory I have of that. And it was something so simple, you know, as a store manager that I could do. And, and we just killed it, man. You know, what's funny is for as many games as I buy... And like by the day they come out, I did not buy Batman Arkham Asylum <laughs> for probably six to eight months until after it came out. And that was because my one of my least favorite games ever is the previous Batman game called Batman Dark Tomorrow, mm. which was a steaming pile of garbage mm. made by Chemco where I couldn't Xbox, even figure out yeah. how to get off the first roof of that game. <laughs> you start on a roof. And I could not figure out how to shoot my uh, my grappling hook to swing to the next roof. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. That's great. I had I had such a bad taste in my mouth that I was like, I'm not touching that new. Terrible. <laughs> oh man, but that that's that's a good game. That 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 if you've never played Batman Arkham games, you got to play them. And Asylum, I I actually think is the best one. It was the first one. Yep. But I still think the best. Um. So my game of the week. Not quite as exciting as yours, John. <laughs> Just gonna be honest, but it was a PS2 launch title, one of the first games I bought for the PS2, and a series I've loved forever. It's actually another FromSoft game, Armored Core 2. Ah. So I I love Armored Core all the way up until Four Answer, and then Armored Core Five sucks, and it really bums me out. But Armored Core is the only like mech game I've ever played that feels like what it would feel like to, to drive a mech, you know, like to, to, they call them cores in this game, but like you customize it, you can make it super heavy, have more defense, have more armor, have heavier weapons, but you move slower and like you fully customize it. You can make these really thin ones that are super fast and can zip around the map and have like laser swords, but they take one rocket and they're dead. So you get to fully customize how you want to play. And I just always felt like it was a good mix between like you have boosters and you can only boost so long before they need to recharge. So you'd boost, you'd land, you'd feel like a good clunk. And then when you're walking, you're kind of like clunking, but it didn't feel like you were hindered by it, but you also didn't feel like you were in an anime and you were doing like backflips and, and dashing forward and backflip and you know, like, like a ninja in a robot, you know, it, it just felt like that perfect balance of you could move, 
but move within the realities of being attached to a, a robot. And now armored cores, they bounce back and forth a lot, but most of the mainline games have two modes. You've got your mission mode and then you've got your arena. And the arena is where you just are trying to climb a ladder of AI controlled other cores and you're trying to get to number one spot. But the missions, if you die in a mission, you don't start the mission over. You go back to the area, like you go back to the starting area and you have to pay all the damage to get your your core repaired. <laughs> so if you don't save in this game before every mission, you're going to run out of money real fast and then you won't be able to like do the game anymore. Um, but it's just really fun. I don't know. I, and I love Armored Core. I played the first one on PS1 when it came out. And I didn't really play Project Phantasma. That's the that's Armored Core 1.5, I guess. And then they made an Armored Core game called Masters of Arena. And that was an all-arena Armored Core game. So you don't even have missions in that game. You literally only have the arena where you fight other mechs, other cores. Then, even though this is technically the fourth Armored Core game, it's called Armored Core 2. And then they did <laughs> Armored Core 2 Another Age. And then they did Armored Core 3. And they did Armored Core, like, Ninebreaker, Last Raven. They did uh, a couple other ones. So I, I, I've got them all. Armored Core Nexus is another one. And I don't know. I just I, I think these games are fantastic. They're just super fun. Um, they're not they're not anime mech simulators, but they're not like Mech Warrior back in the day where you took two steps and then couldn't move. So was wasn't there a cell shaded Armored Core? Mm, I don't think so. Unless unless that you're thinking of Formula Front. Which was Armored Core from the front was like you could build and customize and, and do everything you want with your mechs but and your cores, but you couldn't actually fight. There were no missions, there was no arena. It was like it was like the simulation side of it. And weird. We got it on PSP. Uh but we didn't get it and then Japan it's on PS two and I have that import. I got that in Japan actually. And then they released in Japan, Armored Core 3 and I think Armored Core Last Raven came out on PSP in Japan, but we didn't get those okay. either. Uh, but I have those because, I, I again, and they're FromSoft games, so I try to get every FromSoft game that I really like. Like oh, I, get, I get all the Armored Cores, I get all the Metal Gears, not FromSoft, but I buy all the Armored Core games, I get all like the, the King's Field and all that sort of stuff. But So it's good stuff. So, John... Uh, what is in your pickup pile of the week? That is our two games of the week. But what is in your pickup pile of the week? Well, this H- is how big weeks. is it? Oh, that's right. This is two weeks. That's right. Two weeks. That's not a bad stack. <laughs> that's a pretty good couple of stacks, dear. Okay. So, I alphabetized all my Xbox 360 games last week. And I actually did pretty cool time lapse uh, of it. That was uh, which, a really neat video. Yeah, which you can see on Twitter if you uh, go to my Twitter. Um, it took about three hours, by the way. <laughs> um, and doing it, I realized that I'm actually missing a bunch of stuff for some reason. Um, and so as I was going through, I was kind of... Uh, if you watch the 30-second the time lapse, I moved some of the games downward where the top is facing out, so you can see the top of the case. And that is games that are either not in my collection app or next to a game that's missing. And so I've started to replace some of those. That's so, so, that's so weird that, that yeah, that's I missing. Know. I know we talked about that a little bit, like potential person you were helping out maybe stole a couple or something. But Yeah. 
So fun. Um, so History Channel, Great Battles Medieval for Xbox 360. <laughs> uh, Killer is Dead. So are you uh, just getting every 360 game? Is that the idea or? No, okay. I'm mainly replacing the ones that I was missing. Um, uh, I forgot to take the sticker off this one. Um, Damnation. <laughs> Which Damnation was actually a game made by like a amateur development team that Codemasters bought. Yeah, um, it, it has very like, uh, what the hell is that game? Very Dark Watch vibes. Yeah, from PS2. Yeah, yeah, I love that um, game. But anyway, Dark Star One, uh, Legendary. Oh god, that game is so bad, dude. It's so yes, bad. Yeah, Interactive that made this is their everything they touch turns to garbage. What was the um? Oh yeah, I think it was that it was Resident Evil Raccoon City, right? Like, didn't they do uh, Operation I Raccoon think they City? Made that they also did the third Lost Planet game. Yeah, and yeah. then they oh. did their first, and I think that one might be missing too. <laughs> oh. Uh, Turning Point, Fall of Liberty, um, yeah. which Turning Point was, what if the Nazis won World War II and took over the U.S., mm. which was an interesting concept, but good lord, <laughs> it is awful. Because uh, didn't they get their start porting Call of Duty games? Yeah, I think they did Big Red One for PS2. Yeah, yeah, I think they started off porting Call of Duty games from PC. Well... Or, or or doing original Call of Duty games because Call of Duty 2 Big Red one's different from Call of Duty 2 on PC yeah. and then Call of Duty 2 original did get a 360 port um, but yeah so that's how they kind of got their start and then Legendary as far as I could tell was kind of like their first big budget although maybe Turning Point was but Turning Point was their first yeah. one and then just uh, not then, great though no no everything they've touched is but i guess to be fair turning point was also like world war ii so like they had kind of had experience in like shooters and like the military stuff legendary okay legendary the premise of that game is that someone opens pandora's box and then there's a bunch of weird stuff going on like you fight griffins and like like magical stuff but guns and it just it's just ass man the game's terrible plus if i'm when i played it if i remember correctly it, I think you either move really slow or you you look really slow, like when you're aiming and stuff. There was something about that game that just like I'm like, why does this feel so bad? It just felt slow. The the one memory I have about Turning Point: Fall of Liberty, um, which that came out early Xbox 360, where I was playing like everything. So and I was trying to get achievements out of everything. So I was like, I'm gonna play this until I get some damn points. And uh, it's not good. Um, but there's a scene where you're like climbing monkey bars for some reason. And I just remember how awkwardly slow that scene is. And it's just like, oh my god, this is going on forever. When will this stop? <laughs> like, please stop. Please. Yes. Um, so, all right. Uh, that's, that's the end of the 360 stuff. Um, so, Greg. Greg has the new game where he texts me and goes, do you want this? Um, <laughs> I, I find so- I find the dumbest stuff that I'm never going to be able to sell to anyone else on the planet. And so I message John and say, hey, hey, buddy. Like, I got it <laughs> for you. <laughs> so uh, Konami made a kids learning game series called Konami Kids Playground. And 
the major one out of it is a Frogger game called Hop, Skip, and Jump and Fun. <laughs> hop, and hop and Skip and Jump and Fun? <laughs> hop, Skip, and Jump and Fun. <laughs> hop, comma, Skip, and Jump and Fun. Um, so it comes with a uh, like dance mat type thing that you can play the game with uh, and advertises a full body uh, gameplay experience. It also works with Konami <laughs> DDR maps. And then there are f- three other games in this series that I kind of want to track down. They did all get released. I looked them up and none of them are very expensive. Oh, good. Okay. Um, but they are out there. Okay. Yes. I think the dinosaur one is the most expensive of the four and it's like 20 bucks. Oh, all right. Well, I opened up that door for you. So you didn't even know you didn't even know the magic of Frogger dance games until yes, Papa Gregio messaged you. Uh, I might have library try that out at some point. That'll be funny. I'm I'm still trying to find the game that like clicks with her. Um, so it's it's tough. <laughs> All right, so I only one only one PS4 game. Uh, Super Street <laughs> well, the game. You made it a real banger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do enjoy racing games. You are a street I'm, racer I yourself. Not enjoy this racing game. <laughs> um, would John? Uh, no, would John fifteen no years ago have liked this game? <laughs> oh, they don't even have licensed vehicles. That's not nope, a good start. No, no licensed vehicles. No licensed parts. It's it's a game based on on a tuner magazine that features no real car. Bang up job. So so John fifteen years ago would he have liked that game? Um, maybe. I mean, I guess if it had those graphics 15 years ago, we'd be like, wow. Yeah, we would be looking at Super Street yeah. 12 right now. And, and and to be fair, Midnight Club 2, which I do think is a very good racing game, did not have real cars either. It wasn't until Midnight Club 3 that they licensed official vehicles. So Midnight Club 2 was fun. I mean, it wasn't until 3 that they really busted out that series. But, you know, so it is possible to have a good racing game like Split Second or Blur. Well, actually, Blur had licensed cars, I think. Yeah. Split Second did not. And so, like, you can have good racing games without it. I don't think Burnout, the later Burnout had real car. No. Well, but the thing about those games that you mentioned, those, they focused on gameplay first and made (laughs) a damn good game. Yeah. And then it was okay to not have real cars. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's very fair. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, Midnight Club 3 had a prototype of the Dodge Challenger or Charger in it, a Charger mm-hmm. um, that looked super weird and was so far from what we actually got when that car actually came out. Yeah, it was actually the the Charger that was in that game is very similar to the Challenger that came out years and years later. Mm. I do love that Challenger too. I almost bought one of those before I bought my um, Lancer. Those are those are. Good looking vehicles. They're just they weigh like nine thousand pounds. Yeah, and they're super like the the field of view out the front of those things. I just I, I can't do it. Like it's so yeah. and the hood is so high and like ugh. yeah, I couldn't do it. If I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna like I would wait till I do like an electric version or something like that. But <laughs> all right, uh, so on to the Xbox One games. Oh, you need to update your uh, your <laughs> yeah. Apparently, iTunes <laughs> needs an update. Everybody, hey. <laughs> So, A Plague Tale Innocent, um, made by Asobo, who every, once, like, every 10 years makes a game that's not a licensed piece of garbage kids game. 
Mm. Uh, and Plague Tale is pretty interesting. I, I heard amazing things about it. I downloaded it through Game Pass, and I never played mm-hmm. it. Like, it was on my list. I wanted to, and I just, I don't know, something came up, but never played it's it. It's got a dark opening. It is kind of messed up. Nice. All right. Um, well, now, now I'm intrigued. Yeah, I <laughs> I definitely like it. Um, all right. Devil May Cry HD Collection for Xbox One. It's a good one. Uh, Apex Legends, the Blood Sausage. I think his name's Blood Sausage. Um, oh, Bloodhound. Why do you Bloodhound have, Why do you have that game? Why'd you buy that game? Um, I do actually really like Apex Legend. Um, I find it weird that there's a disc in there, and also it's got exclusive uh, costumes and stuff huh? in there, uh, plus currency for the game. Yeah, the, you didn't open that game, John. Uh, not yet. It's um, <laughs> Walmart had these on clearance for like ten bucks. Oh, I would have bought that for ten. And there's bucks. there's actually there's more currency in this copy of the game <laughs> than, than 10 the bucks. ten dollars would cost. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Pixar. Uh, for Xbox One. Uh, Ice Age Scratch Nutty Adventure. Uh, which the Xbox version I've never seen in a retail store. I buy that off Amazon. Um, I I see it on Switch uh, every all the time um, in Walmart, uh, but never on Xbox. Hmm. Um, Escapists one and two double disc, um, which they released these in Europe as individual discs. Uh, which um, but then when they brought it to the US, they released them together, uh, and then. Truck Racing Championship. (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking over to see if I had the... I thought they did an escape... They did the Escapist 2 back for PS4, didn't they? Uh, They did. Um, By the time it came out and I saw it, they... I think GameStop converted it to used. So, like, it wasn't out that long before they converted it and... uh, Turned it into yeah new new pre owned stock yeah I don't have it in my collection I'm looking over there I don't see it I don't have it yeah they they Where's... also did a uh, uh, I have it but it's not super clear close they did a um, Walking Dead version of Escapists that I have the European import disc for nice yeah I played I played that it was either free or cheap or something and I bought it on P- that was that was fun that was neat like the intro was like the intro of the, the comic where you start off in the hospital or whatever it was, it's neat nice alright what have you got supposedly have a huge pile of crap I have I have a, a healthy stack uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games today uh so the first one, yeah, we got a really big RPG trade in at the store, and I couldn't believe some of the games I didn't have that were traded in here. Like, I must have made a decision when I was buying PS2 RPGs that I wouldn't buy them all, and then so I must have passed on a couple, but now I saw them, and I'm like, yeah, I'm taking those for sure. But before we get there, the first one up is, oh, you can't see it because it's messing with the, uh, hold on, let me get this filter off of here. Oh, glary. So this is Brain oh, Dead 13. Uh, this game uh, is a animated ad- interactive adventure, so like uh, sp- uh, Space Ace or Dragon's Lair, uh, Brain Dead 13. So that's a, that's, it's, it's, it's wacky, it's fun, and it does not work in your PS3. Is that a Don Bluth game? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe? I don't know. It doesn't advertise it anywhere on the box, but it would be in that style. 
Does it have giant, giant pointy boobs in it anywhere? Do you know? Um, let's take a look at the. What do you got here? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's kind of blurry, but oh yeah, we. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All so right. um, next up, uh, Valkyrie Profile Two for PS Two. Uh, not nearly as good as the first one, but the Val- Valkyrie Profile is one of my um, favorite PS1 RPGs. Very, very good. Um, Persona 3 FES. I got a copy of Persona 4. I got a copy of... Nice. Uh, Phantom Brave I did not have in my collection, which a lot of these I had before I opened my store because I had been collecting PS1 and PS2 RPGs. So a lot of these in my head, I feel like I have them when I see them. And then I look up my app. I'm like, I don't have these crap because I had them. I sold them and I need to get them back. So Phantom Brave, very mediocre strategy RPG. But it's uh, got praise from Disgaea in it. It does. It does. Cause NIS just crossing over. They were actually, yeah. they really did dominate the PS2 era. Like when they, they like smashed onto the scene and they did some really good stuff. And then they, now they just milk it. It's terrible. But, um, I got a copy of Dragon Quest eight. Now this does not have the outer box. When this originally came out, it had an outer cardboard box. This one did not have that, but I still picked it up because it matches the rest of my games actually. And I kind of like that. It's a regular case. So I'm still looking for the outer box. And when one comes in, I'll probably buy that. But I was like, you know what? For now, I'll just put it on the shelf. So Dragon Quest Does 8. it still have the uh, the demo in it? It does. Got a Final Fantasy 12 demo in there. Uh, uh, what's what's the worst game ever to, to sucker you into buying a demo disc? Do you remember? Zone of the Enders. From Square? No. Well, mine, no. So, well, so mine was Zone of the Enders because I bought it for the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. Uh, but... Don't I? I hope you're not going to say Brave Fence and Musashi because that game's very nope. good. Okay, uh, then I don't know which one. Unlimited Saga. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't that have a uh, demo for X2 in it or X? It. Uh, uh yes, yes. One of those Unlimited Saga is terrible. Um, yeah. Do I have it? I do not. Uh, next up, I have Rogue Galaxy. Um, this, uh, this is another good RPG. You can actually buy this on PS4 and I got it on PS4 for just a couple bucks. Uh, so that's definitely the way I'd recommend playing it. This is, um, this is level five, isn't it? Yeah. The guys like... made dark cloud one and two. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, this one I already kind of showed off on Twitter, but this one is, uh, Kaneko man muscle grand prix two. So, uh, in the U S Originally on the GameCube, we got a game called Ultimate Muscle. And it was a cartoon. I forget what the actual name of the cartoon was. I think it was Ultimate Muscle. And it was just a wrestling cartoon, like a Japanese wrestling cartoon with these wacky kind of superhero characters. So they made a game based off for the GameCube. Then they made a PS2 game called Galactic Wrestling. Doesn't say Ultimate Muscle like anywhere in the box except in this little corner. But it's called Galactic Wrestling, which is ultimately the sequel to Ultimate Muscle. Well, in Japan, they got what essentially would be Galactic Wrestling 2... And that's Knikuman Muscle Grand Prix 2, and I bought a copy of that on eBay. So I got this. The first one of these I bought, I got a really good deal on it, and then the seller canceled it and just said they didn't have it. And then the same seller yeah. relisted it for twice the price a week later, which is weird because you don't typically run into that in Japan. I don't usually run into that with Japanese sellers. It was very weird. It could have been an American in Japan, though, so who knows. Uh, but I love those. And this this game also, uh, fun fact, is, uh, I'll try to point to it here, but that's Aki. You can see the little yellow, blue, and, and red logo there. So Aki 
uh, is infamous for their best wrestling games ever made. No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000 on the N64, World Tour, WCW, NW Revenge. And, uh, and so they went on to make Ultimate Muscle. They made this. They made Def Jam Vendetta. They made Def Jam Fight from New York. And then they became Sin Sophia. And then they made a bunch of terrible DS games and then helped with other games. Like they help with, uh, what was the game you were telling me that they help a lot with? Uh, was it some, no. was it the Yakuza games or was it something like, yeah, yeah it was like the yeah, Yakuza games or something. So, games. so apparently they're like a studio that just rents themselves out. So obviously the people who were there in the 64 days making wrestling games are probably not there anymore, which is really disappointing. I would love to know who's got the source code for that engine just laying around because I'd like to have it please. And, uh, <laughs> I, I released it on steam bare bones with full mod support. Sell it for like five bucks, sell millions of copies and let people just make every wrestler in the world and put it on there. It's not your fault because you didn't make it. You're not illegally spreading anything. Kind of like the Fire Pro games do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. And just leave it, leave the workshop wide open. Uh, And then last, I have two more games, uh, PS4. The first one is the Planescape Torment Icewind Dale 2-pack. This went down to 20 bucks on Amazon. So I finally picked this up. I'm waiting for Neverwinter Nights to go down to 20 bucks. I've heard these ports aren't great. But yes, they're 20 bucks. And and I do like these old PC games and I would probably never prefer to play them on console. But I think it's neat that they're even coming to console. Like these, these, these are these are it. weird games from the 2000s that that like and now magically are coming out in two packs on PS4. It makes no sense, but I love it. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm also waiting for that Planetscape game or the yeah. the Neverwinter game to go down. Neverwinter is the only one that hasn't gotten cheap. Yeah, Neverwinter. And then there's the one that's Baldur's Gate one and two, isn't there? Is that the other yeah, one? Yeah, that one I got already, though. I got I'm, I I missed out on that one cheap. And then this actually just got sold to me today, so I bought it. But Saints Row the Third Remaster came in. I, nice. I, I love Saints Row the Third. Um, my brother and I played through this together on PS3, and it was awesome. And I've actually heard that this version, they cleaned it up quite a bit, and it's quite a nice yeah. improvement. So if a used copy comes through and it's cheap enough, I'll just buy that. I mean, I, I was never going to buy it new. Maybe when it went down to 20 bucks, I'd buy it new, but, you know, so... Oh, actually, I forgot. I got that for Xbox One, <laughs> and then uh, I also picked up that Man Eater. Oh yeah, Dom's been playing Man Eater. He he likes it. He said it's really good. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, the the Saints Row remaster is fantastic. Like, um, of all of the games that where I feel like it shows off HDR 4K on my TV, that game looks crazy on my TV. And this is part um, of the. This is part of the deep silver publishing, you know, the, the properties that they bought, I guess, you know, like making some money off of the, the, the properties they own. So, you know, what's weird is that's THQ though too now, but they didn't put THQ on the box. That, that I was confused by that. Why they didn't just say it was THQ Nordic or whatever, but yeah. Uh, Cause they merged like a year or two ago. Yeah. But anyway, that is the podcast. Everybody. Thank you as always. For listening and watching, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg. You can follow John on Twitter at Dryer Combo. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel if you'd like. It's youtube.com slash the drop rate. And you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate. I haven't been streaming much lately. Uh, I kind of want to get back into that, but it's not really that much fun. <laughs> it, it, it streaming's weird. It depends on the game. Like, I'll do it 24 hours for kids, right? I'll raise money for a children's hospital. That's fun. Uh, doing it every day. Like when we were in quarantine, I, I did it for two weeks. I did it every day during the week 
And I dreaded having to like have it in my schedule. Like, Oh, from two to five, I got a stream. It's 10 o'clock. I can't really do anything. I got to wait. Cause I got a stream. And then, <laughs> and so that sucked. And then I, I played animal crossing, which is a great stream game. Cause you can play it casually and talk to people. And then I tried playing five, seven remake. And I was missing stuff like people were talking to me and I would talk to them. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't read how to beat this boss. And then the boss beat my ass. And I was like, well, that's what you get because you weren't paying attention. So then I had to pay attention to the game and I was ignoring chat. And it's not like I have a bunch of people, but if there's like 10 or 15 people in chat and they're talking, they want to interact with you. And they're like, cause they're looking at you like, Dude, there's only 15 people here. Don't, don't act like, you know, freaking PewDiePie or something. <laughs> you got 15 people. You can, t- you got 15 people. You can talk to us. Um, so, so I don't stream much, but, uh, we got the extra life charity stream coming up. That's the first week of October. So that's j- four months away only. It's crazy to think, but it's four months away. Um, and yeah, just uh, always, always a blast. Uh, sorry again for not having a podcast last week. Just, uh, needed that mental health week to uh, catch up on work stuff. I say mental health week. Like I took it off or something. I was working like a buttload extra, so (laughs) I didn't really relax at all. It was just one less thing on my plate, but thank you again, everybody for always listening and watching John say goodbye. Have a good night. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Later. Bye-bye.